Welcome to The Journey to Worthy, a feel-good podcast for women who are on a powerful journey to self-love. And wait a minute, hold on. While most of that's true, we all know the journey is not always rainbows and butterflies. Sometimes it's really tough. That's why on this podcast, you'll hear real, raw, and mostly unedited stories about the complex journey to finding self-love. I'm your host, Rachel Spencer. After battling an eating disorder and finally realizing my own self-worth, I'm here to help you see that no matter how difficult your journey is, you've been worthy all along. Okay, guys, welcome back. Today, you guys are in for such a special treat. Um, I have my friend Amanda Richards here, and she is a body image expert and intuitive mentor. And you know what? I'm just going to hand the mic over to her because, Amanda, first of all, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm super, super excited. But I want to hand over the mic to you because I know you have so much to say and you have quite a journey. So can you just kind of tell us about that journey and how you got to where you are today? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I just recorded and posted a podcast of my entire story on my podcast today and it was like an hour and a half long. (laughs) Okay. So maybe not the full thing. (laughs) Right. So I'm going to definitely shorten that up for you, but you know, I didn't have any like crazy drastic thing happen as a child. You know, it was just the typical like emerged in diet culture, emerged with women who just their whole goal in life was dieting and, you know, always talking about, oh, I cheated this weekend. So, you know, might as well just forget my diet for the weekend while start Monday, you know, just all that typical stuff. So that I feel like that just kind of set me up for my eating disorder in the long term because it was just growing up in that for what, 16, 17 years before I had my first eating disorder. So what's interesting is probably around 12 years old. Well, actually I remember like being eight years old and recognizing my body was different. I've always been, you know, a little bigger, a little bit of on the thicker side. So I noticed my body was different than other girls. And also my mom had called me like thunder thighs when I was like, yeah. And you know, it's weird because I don't remember the event, but I remember this one time when I was like seven or eight riding a bike and I remember wearing orange shorts and looking down at my thighs and just thinking like I was disgusted with them. And my grandma just a couple months ago was like, you know, your mom told me that, or you came in wearing pants in the middle of summer and it was really hot. And I asked you why. And you said, well, my mommy called me thunder thighs, so I don't want to wear shorts. And so I have a feeling it was like around that time. And I carried that through like my whole entire like adulthood. (laughs) It's just like, I never wanted to wear shorts. If I wore shorts, I always wanted to put a sweater over my lap or like a purse on my lap, you know what I mean? To hide them. So it's interesting how that stuff can really, really stick with you. But anyways, fast forward to my first real boyfriend and we, he ended up cheating on me and just, it was, it was really bad. He ended up cheating on me going to prison. Like it was like a big ordeal. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother story. (laughs) So, um, that just felt like, you know, a punch in the face, like just completely abandoned me, got my car impounded. Like it was a huge deal. And after that it's interesting because 
that's when my first like spike of the eating disorder happened. You know, I had been on and off dieting since I was like 12, but that was when it really sunk in. And I truly believe it's because I didn't know what was going on in my head. You know, I didn't know, I didn't know how to deal with my feelings. No one ever taught me how to deal with my feelings or how to deal with loneliness and just everything, abandonment, rejection. Like, why wasn't I good enough for him? He was, he was a drug addict. Mm. So it was like, why wasn't I good enough to keep him sober? Why wasn't, you know, I didn't understand any of this. And I think just already having poor self-image, having poor body image, just it was a bad combination. So I went through my first one and that was really mostly binge eating, but then it turned into bulimia. And I, I mean, and it was crazy though, because I was, I was not binging on anything crazy. You know, like I remember eating these, you know, those candied like mango slices or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like I would just eat some of those. And I would, I remember I had to pull over on the side of the road and vomit because I couldn't handle the fact that I ate a whole bag of those. And so it's like, it wasn't your typical binge. Like you would think like massive amounts of food. It was just, I couldn't handle the thought of eating and having food in my body for some reason. And that went on for like a year. Um, but what's so interesting about it is once I got my next boyfriend who was actually even worse than my other one. Oh man, that's, that seems hard to, to be, to be worse. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it, you would you would think, right? So once I found him, he was very much wanted to be with me every day. And, you know, just he was very, ended up being very possessive and everything. But at first you're flattered, you know, because I'm thinking, okay, well, this is going to be the best guy I ever get because the, the one before that was like a drug addict and, a, you know, a convict now or whatever. So I'm like, this guy's got his shit together. He's you know, he's, he was five years older than me, had his own place, had a job, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I thought, wow, he wants to be with me every single day. Like that's, that's really amazing. You know, like that feels, that makes me feel amazing. Yeah. Yeah. When you have low self-esteem. So it was like a guilty pleasure, you know, because I don't know, even though it should have been a red flag, but it wasn't, but my eating disorder stopped as soon as I started hanging out with him. And as soon as I was with someone, so I think loneliness and being alone with those feelings was driving it so much. Um, So I'm going to wrap it up here soon. But basically that relationship turned into a very emotionally abusive relationship and then in the latter parts, physically abusive. And I didn't have any eating disorder behavior during that time, believe it or not. But I did start going to the gym and I lost like 30, 40 pounds Um, which of course, when we broke up a couple months later, I ended up gaining back like double the amount of weight. I went from a pounds to like in a couple months and that threw me into my eating disorder again. So it's interesting how it wasn't consistent. And I know that it was fueled by just the feelings of loneliness and abandonment and everything and not knowing how to handle that. And also not understanding what's going on in your brain, you know, not understanding that, you are in control of your thoughts, not understanding why are these thoughts happening? How do I break the cycle? You know, why am I reaching for food for comfort? You know, when you don't have any idea what's going on, I think it's very easy to stay trapped in the cycle of disordered eating or an eating disorder. Um, So long story short, that ended up leading to about two years of just absolute mental torture. I hated myself. I just wanted to get back to that original weight of 120, which was not healthy for me. I'm almost 5'7". So that is not a healthy weight for someone my height. And I just wanted to get back there. So I remember doing ridiculous things like, 
um, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to eat cucumbers for like the next five days, <laughs> you know, and just like oh. stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and then because I was, my electrolytes were so messed up from making myself purge. I was getting Charlie horses all day, all night. My eyes were like, my had broken blood vessels. So I knew I couldn't keep vomiting it up. So then I switched to laxatives and this was just an ongoing thing until finally two years into it, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I was going to therapy at this time too and stuff. And, um, I listened to this podcast, believe it or not, podcast changed my life. And it talked about accepting yourself. And it was like, yeah, I just started accepting myself and things change. And I'm like, what a concept, you know, yeah, a right. woman, <laughs> a woman accepting themselves. What? So that went on a, like a big self-discovery journal or journey and personal development journey. I just tried to become the best version of myself and I would say I swapped behaviors. So I swapped the obsession with food and exercise and stuff and switched it to personal development. Um, so I was like really crazy about it for a while, <laughs> but I, it saved me. It really did. And, and through that journey, I fell in love with like neuroscience and, and like just how the brain works and understanding how to hack your own mind. And so now I am actually a coach and I help women who are going through eating disorders and disordered eating. And I just, I help them by teaching them like those brain hacks, but also I'm kind of transitioning into this place of like, let's tune into your higher wisdom, your intuition. Let's like start nourishing your soul. So I have this really unique twist of like, let's here's the practical steps, but then also like, let's get into the more of the woo woo stuff. Mm. <laughs> so it's really wow. fun, really fun work. I love that. First of all, thank you so much for sharing that with yeah, us. I mean, that's, that's some really deep stuff. And I know that you had to go through a lot of therapy and personal development and self-acceptance even to be able to share that. Um, oh, yeah. But I think you're the same as me where like now, now that I'm so open about it, people, I've actually had people say, oh, well, it must not have been that bad if you're able to just talk about it. Like if it was really bad, you would have trauma. And I'm just like, you know what, talking about it, like not only helps me heal, but like being vulnerable with other people. I mean, I know that there's hundreds or thousands of other people behind the screen watching and saying, Oh my God, I've been through that same thing or that resonates with me. So, I mean, I appreciate how open you are because you know, we're both, we're both like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because when I was recording my podcast, because I recorded it this morning, and I was going back through it, everything, and I didn't get emotional once, and wow. I didn't get choked up or anything. And some of the stuff I've never even talked about out loud. So either it was so bad, I I feel like I had to separate from my body at certain points. Um, I think when horrible things like that happen, you almost like have to leave mentally. Wow. Does that make yeah. sense? So I don't know if it's that I feel like that happened to someone else and I was just like watching it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, like from the outside and you're like up above watching. Yeah. Yeah. So I think with especially the abusive relationship, you know, that I had to separate. And so to talk about that kind of stuff doesn't affect me, but I think it's because I think I still have a lot deeper work to do, but so it's interesting. I noticed that today. So I'm like, yeah. Oh, maybe I shouldn't, you know, really dive back into this again. And you know, yeah, yeah. I, and I feel like we're constantly doing that inner work. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something that we're going to be doing for the rest of our life. That's part of healing and part of personal development. 
Yeah. And there's, there's so much in here that I want to talk about. Like, <laughs> wow, I understand why your episode was an hour and a half after recording it now. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the things that um, really stuck with me was whenever you were talking about wearing shorts and like mm. hiding your body and wearing pants because of what your mom said. And it's really interesting too, because well, one, I noticed that in a lot of your photos, you're actually wearing shorts. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. Whenever you yeah. said that, I was like, oh wow, she's really overcome that. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people, um, you know, are, are so used to hiding their body and instead of using their clothes to accentuate their body, they're using it to hide. Mm. So what are some tips you have around that? Like, how did you overcome that fear of shorts? Oh, that's interesting. So I think really the biggest way to get over a fear is to just do it. Like there, there's really no secret hack or secret advice, you know, it's like you just have to do it. And I think just the more I learned about diet culture and learned about our society and how we're raised and how just all these bullshit rules we have about our bodies and ourselves, like once I learned how false they were and where they came from, I think knowing the root really helps you to rip it out, you know, okay, I know where that came from. I'm ripping it out and I'm done with that belief. So, but I would say the biggest thing I did is I, for one, healing in recovery changed my body dysmorphia. So I started mm. seeing my legs the way they really are, number one. But number two, I think just, I just did it. And I would, and I would go and pick out really cute stuff, like stuff that when you put it on, you feel like so high vibe, you know, <laughs> like yes. just, you feel amazing. So for a while, that was my standard where it's like, this is what I'm wearing and I'm only wearing stuff that makes me feel like freaking amazing and phenomenal. So I think that yes. helped a lot. <laughs> yes, I love that. I actually just, um, I had a guest on guest on her name was Ludi and she is a personal stylist and she was talking about the same thing how whenever you're shopping and finding clothes it's all about like how the piece of clothing makes you feel and kind of going into it with that mindset of like do you feel good instead of worrying about like what each body part looks like to to somebody else so yeah yeah I think that's really huge Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to add like to the end there, one of my, my friends who does this work too, she said, it's not clothes. It's not my job to fit clothes. It's clothes job to fit me. Ooh, yes. yeah, I know. I, love I, just, that. I know. I love it. So I just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like I want to say that mantra the next time yeah. that I go clothes shopping because <laughs> it's hard, you know, I mean, it's something that we all deal with. Like we go in the dressing room and the second that something doesn't feel us, we, we start blaming ourselves and like all the things that we did wrong this week, all the things that we ate that we shouldn't have, or we didn't exercise enough. And it really ruins almost your whole day sometimes. And it's like, how can we, you know, getting into like the brain hacks and the neuroscience part of it. I know there's a lot to discuss there, but like, how can we hack our brains to where when we're going through a situation like that, specifically like in a dressing room or trying on clothes that don't fit anymore, like how can we simply move past that and kind of realize that we're growing instead of dwelling in it? So, I mean, if you're at the beginning, just know this is going to take time and repetition. Repetition is literally the most important thing you could do. Just keep reminding yourself of the truth and keep reminding yourself that your body doesn't define you or whatever your affirmation needs to be, you know? But what first came to mind when you asked me that is, so when, when your brain is under stress, 
So of course, anything that causes you to feel triggered is stress, right? So going to a dressing room is triggering for most people. Those mirrors are God awful. So And the lighting. Oh my God. Yeah. They're like, the. I don't even consider that a real mirror. I'm like, I'm just going to take this home and try it on. Right. Like I almost don't even want to look in the mirror. I just want to look down. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. So the first thing that came to mind is when your brain is under stress, you automatically go to your um, habit loops, they're called. Um, so because it's easier because it's more unconscious. So if you're going to a dressing room and you are starting to feel triggered, anxious, a little stressed out, a really great thing you can do. And this is obviously not my thing. The five second rule. Have you heard of that? Oh my gosh. Yes. But explain it to everyone. Mel Robbins, right? Right. Yeah. So she uses it for, you know, like getting yourself to do stuff you don't want to do, you know, for being productive. That's her huge thing. But I have found with myself and with most clients, cause you know, everything doesn't work for everyone. Mm-hmm. But if you find yourself going into that place, either one yell, stop out loud, maybe it's stop. I am in control here. And it like throws your brain for a loop. Cause you're like, Whoa, <laughs> where'd that come from? <laughs> So for one, and that kicks you out of your habit loops and into your frontal lobe again, where you can think more rationally and abstractly. So Mm -hmm. you can either say that, or you can use the five second rule where as soon as you feel yourself like going to that negative place or feeling stressed out or whatever, you go five, four, three, two, one. And it just very subtly flips you back to the frontal lobe and out of those habit loops. And the habit loops are going to be like, oh my God, I'm so fat. Oh my God, this, you know, like your normal unconscious thoughts that you don't even realize you're having. So Ooh, that, that is so, so good. <laughs> and it's yeah. so funny because I've known about the five second rule for a long time, but mm-hmm. I've never really practiced it. It kind of like you were saying, like I, I learned it from Mel Robbins. So I've been using it for productive reasons, but mm-hmm. I never thought of using it for disordered thoughts. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I didn't realize why it worked until I finally watched one of her videos and she talks about it kicking you out of the habit loops. And then I'm like, oh, I got to try that with people, you know? <laughs> That is so, so good. So talk to us more about some of these brain hacks. I mean, when did you become obsessed with neuroscience? Was it during your own recovery process? Yeah. Yeah. I just love it so much because I want to be in control. I want to know how to be in control of my own mind. And it's funny. I found these goals the other day. They were like written down that I had written like three or four years ago. And one of my goals was to truly know that I'm in control of my mind. Mm. And it's so crazy to think back that there is a time where I didn't realize how control, how in control I was, you know? So I just fell in love with podcasts about it, reading books, everything. Um, So do you want me to share some more? (laughs) I would love that. No, yeah. You're like, you're, you're well-versed in it. Clearly. I mean, while you were talking, I was like, whoa, like, I feel like (laughs) (laughs) nobody ever, talks about, um, you know, the, the neuro side of things and really what's going on in our heads whenever we are having these thoughts. And so I love the idea of doing the five second rule and the dressing room. So, but if somebody is just like, you know, going about their, their normal day, because as we both know, whenever you have an eating disorder or even just a negative body image, like Mm -hmm. these thoughts just like come to you like Mm -hmm. rapid fire. And that, you know, promotes, I know in me like some anxiety and I'm just like, Oh my God, why am I thinking this way? Instead of trying to fix it, I start panicking of like, Oh my God, make it go away, make it go away. So yeah. Can you give us some more tips for squashing those thoughts? Yeah. So the five second rule, exactly what you're saying, it can, it can work for any situation where your thoughts start taking over. And I think the, the important thing to note is that 
those thoughts don't stop as you're recovered. They come much less often, but sometimes you can't control what thought pops in, but you can always control dismissing it and knowing it's not the truth. And you can always control not letting it take you away, you know? So I think that's an important distinction because I have a lot of clients that they're like, I just wish that all these thoughts about weight loss would just go away. And I'm like, well, sweetheart, they don't ever go away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's just like, maybe I'll only think about it once every couple months now, but they still come when they're so deeply ingrained in you, you know? So that's just, I wanted to note that. But, um, so some of this is another one that's one of my favorites and it's so simple, but it works really good. So talking to yourself in the third person, that Ooh. is, yeah, I know it sounds really stupid and simple, but it's, no, yeah, it sounds amazing. Yeah. It's really powerful. So instead of saying like, you've got this, you're amazing, you can do this, you know, whatever, whatever you are beautiful say, Amanda, you are a fucking goddess. Like Amanda, I you love are, that. yeah, like Amanda, you can do this. <laughs> And what happens, not only is it more powerful, because when you say your own name, like something in your brain wakes up and I don't know what it is, but it's just different. When you hear your name, you know what I mean? Something perks up in you. So not only that, it just sinks in more, but we have like different versions of self from what the research shows. So we have the self that we perceive ourselves as. We have the self that others perceive us as as we have like our ideal self or our perfect self. And so, and then we have our shadow self, you know? So, um, you know, we have all these different sides of us. So when you are saying your name in third person, you're able to have certain part, those selves communicate with each other to like calm the other one down. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. And I, I like how you said, I mean, it was funny. You were like, Oh, I know it's like kind of silly and, and, you know, simple, but it's crazy how sometimes we just don't think of that, right? It mm-hmm. is simple, which is why it works, but it's mm-hmm. like, we, we don't think of it, especially consciously whenever we're having those thoughts, it's hard to rationally be like, okay, Rachel, yeah. now you don't, you know what I mean? So it's like the simpler, the better. Yeah, exactly. I totally, totally am all about simplicity. That's actually one of my intentions for this year is like, let's simplify to amplify, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. I love that. <laughs> so yeah, that's one really easy thing that anyone can do and it will help you. Um, so that's one. Now let's see what else. Is that your favorite one? Or would you say the five second rule is your favorite one? Um, no, actually talking to myself in third person is probably my favorite. I, yeah. I find that to be more powerful, believe yeah. it or not. I feel, I like imagine like doing it in the mirror as well. Cause I'm, I'm all about the mirror exercises. I talk about it all the time. The list, our OG listeners who I have listened to every single episode. know I'm like consistently talking about mirror exercises and all the different ways you can do them. So that's a really good one is talking to yourself in third person in the mirror. Yeah. And it's so easy and it works. So that's definitely an awesome one. Um, Another one is called cognitive dissonance. And don't let the word throw you off. This one's really simple too. So when you feel resistance, because in recovery or just when you're, you know, when you do have poor body image, like we're not talking just eating disorders here. We're talking any type of disordered eating or disordered thought patterns about your body. When you feel resistance to doing something new. So whether you had an eating disorder and you were afraid of a food, you know, and you, and you got to try a new food or you're, Or maybe you're healing your body image and you're going to wear something that normally you wouldn't wear. So you're a little uncomfortable or whatever, whatever that situation is where you feel resistance. um, If it's like 
if it's coming from a place of like a fear of rejection or a fear of like vulnerability, you know, then what you can do to try to get around that is you have to convince your brain why this is okay and why this is safe. So basically if you're going to do something different, your brain's like, no, this is not in our comfort zone. This is uncertain and we don't like uncertainty. So I'm throwing the emergency break and I'm saying, no, we're not going through with this. So you actually have to trick your brain into why, but it has to be a real deep and personal reason. So, you know, it's like, well, I'm afraid to wear this out because what if people think weird things about me? What if people think that I'm too fat to wear this? You know, I would think that's the biggest one. Um, And then you can tell yourself, you know, but I feel really cute in this and I'm actually going to try something new and step into a whole new version of myself and, you know, whatever your thing is. So you have to convince your brain and then your brain will be like, oh, okay, it's all right. Yes. It's like, you're really just talking yourself through it. Even yeah. with all of these, I love it how like we at the end of the day are in control of all of this. And it's like, mm-hmm. once we become cognitive of that, once we've realized that it's like, you know, nothing is, nothing's going to be uh, perfect and instantly you're going to heal and be recovered. But I mean, like you're definitely on your way once you realize that you are in the driver's seat. Yeah. That's like the biggest realization is you always have a choice and you always have the power to do anything and change anything. But yeah, like I I was saying before is the thoughts still come in, but you always have the power to get rid of them. And I think that's just so important to understand and interrupt your own patterns. That's the thing is like 95% of what we're doing, saying, thinking, behaving, all of that's unconscious. So obviously self-awareness is like number one here. Yeah. But once you're self-aware enough, you have to interrupt your own patterns. And yeah, you might feel like a crazy person at first because you're talking out loud to yourself and you're talking to yourself in third person and in the mirror and you're like, no, this is not who I am anymore. And you're correcting yourself, but that is what you have to do like from a neuroscience standpoint. That's amazing. And how do you use these, uh, the idea of these brain hacks in your coaching? I mean, are these exercises that you have your clients do or is it just something that you bring to their attention or how do you use it? Yeah, it just depends on what they're going through. So I don't just like throw this all at them and be like, try this, you know? (laughs) I, um, yeah, I just, I, I, if they're struggling with a situation, then I'll be like, well, Hey, try this, you know? And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Cause like I said, everything doesn't work for everyone, but most of these work for the majority of people and it's really powerful and they are, they'll be like, wow, I can't believe how simple that was, but yeah. it really works. No, no, I like that because you actually give them direction because a lot of the time with life coaching and coaching in general, I mean, a lot of people just kind of like to talk it out or, you know, um, it's more of like counseling and listening, but mm. I've always been somebody who when you know, whenever I've worked even in therapy, but with coaches before. Um, I like somebody who can kind of strategically help me get through my thoughts. So seriously, me, uh, I want to say like four years ago, I mean, Mm -hmm. you would have been my coach a hundred percent. Like that's what I needed. I needed those brain hacks. Well, I think it's just so important to understand what's going on in your mind. And then that anxiety isn't so high because you're like, oh, okay, I know what's going on here. You know, you don't know. You're in control. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's key. So, I mean, and it took you a a while to get to this point and it didn't help that you were in these crazy relationships. I mean, you and I, I mean, for, for all of our listeners, I've actually been on Amanda's 
podcast yeah. as well, which I'll let her talk about in a little bit. But I spoke all about um, my bo- my ex-boyfriend, not current boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend who cheated on me. And we kind of had that in common. Um, mm-hmm. And how would you say like all of the the lasting feelings from that added into your eating disorder or like what was the healing process like? From being cheated on? Yeah. And the abusive relationship and all of that, because I know that that's something that really hurt my self-esteem. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I feel like I healed from the eating disorder with ever, without ever going back and visiting the relationships and wow. visiting like how much that affected me until a couple months ago, I actually hired like my own coach. Like, and she's like an, and she used to be a therapist, but now she just does online coaching. And she's like an intuitive spiritual mentor, I would call her. Yeah. But because of that therapy background, she's been able to really help me like dig back into the past. So I, I honestly, I haven't even opened up those wounds until a couple months ago. Wow. And basically what ha- what fed into the belief, um, or I should say, I was never good enough my whole life, right? That's how I felt. And then that just fed that b- limited belief. And that has showed up so much in, in like just my business, you know, in so many other aspects. So it's interesting how when you heal poor body image, underneath it is almost like I would say 100% of the time is poor self-image poor, you know, like you, you just don't like yourself as a person. You don't think you're good enough. So just doing healing work through that. And really for me, I heal through talking it out and journaling Mm, and there's no secret sauce that I have. I mean, that's, that's what I do. I got to write it out. I got to talk it out. Sometimes I got to do it back and forth. Yeah. (laughs) I thought you were going to say sometimes I got to do a backflip. I was like, no, 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 for me talking it out. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And I think that healing is kind of the same as those brain hacks where like, not everything is going to work for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I like that you say that, like, that's what works for me instead of yeah. just saying like, do this and mm-hmm. it'll promote your healing. Right. Right. Yeah. Like some people, like I literally just had the situation yesterday with two of my clients. So one yesterday, they both had to do inner child work. I both assigned them inner child work. One did it through meditation one went back, visited her younger self, told her, you know, whatever she needed to say, held her, you know, but then the other one wrote a letter to her younger self. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've done that too. That's so powerful. Yeah. Writing letters is really a great thing too. I love that. So it's interesting how it, de- it just depends on the person. And one was really powerful for her, for her and you know, the other way was powerful for the other person. So yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Well, um, whenever we were talking about you coming on here, one of the things that you kind of just threw in there that I didn't know about you was that oh. you play the ukulele. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> tell, us, tell us more. Do tell, do tell. Oh my God. Okay. So I will say, first of all, I never would have learned the ukulele if I didn't give up like dieting and obsession because um, I had so much time on my hands and I had been at a family member's house and they had the ukulele and I was just like, I want to learn that. Like now I can because I have time. Well, and I imagine and, like perfection too, like whenever you're in those disordered thoughts and mm-hmm. like trying and wanting to be better and be perfect, like if you were trying to learn something new like that, like that'd yeah. be so difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Um, when you do want to be so perfect and everything, you don't even want to try new things because you're like yeah. you and when you have that poor self image, you're like, oh, I wouldn't be any good of it. And you just like shut yourself down before you even try. So I think like part of healing was like, I wanted to try everything new. 
I just wanted to learn it all yes. and do all the new things. Because so, you realize that perfection is a myth. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hence no. my brand. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yes, exactly. So tell us more about that. So your brand is Rich Imperfections. When did you come right. up with that? Well, my last name's Richard, so it's kind of like a play on words, but um, I don't know. I was walking, and I'll tell you exactly the moment it hit me. So I, was, I knew I wanted to start an Instagram, and I wanted to share my story, and I know I wanted to coach people, and it was like really at the beginning. I was listening to um, a podcast clip by Lisa Nichols. I don't know if you know who she is. I, I don't. I'll have to look her up. Oh, you'll love her. She's a motivational speaker, So, and awesome. she was talking about um, – she's like I something about – you, I love watching you stand and shine and rise in your imperfections. That's what inspires me, not watching you be perfect. And I totally butchered that, but that was the idea of it. I got you, yeah. <laughs> and it just like shook me to my core. And I just, I got chills and I was like, I have chills now. And I'm like, that's it, rich mm-hmm. imperfections. I want to live a life that's rich, surrounded embracing all of my imperfections, which what's funny is when I started the brand, I was like, yes, let's just embrace all my flaws. Cause I still believe they were flaws. And like through doing this work and through like building my business, I realized they're not flaws. Like they're just my body. So it's yes. interesting. there's another <laughs> quote surrounding that and I'm going to butcher it also. I'm glad we're on the <laughs> same page with butchering quotes, but yeah. it's something like, um, I'm not interested in accepting my flaws. I'm more interested in realizing why I was made to believe I had flaws in the first place. Yes. Oh, so freaking I powerful. I love that. I love that. Yeah. It's so yeah. good because everybody's always like, accept your flaws, accept your flaws. But that's still, and I'm guilty of that too. I've said that before too. But that still puts the, the attention on a part of you that you, you're saying is a flaw. Mm-hmm. That there's something wrong with you. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I found myself when I first started my Instagram, like wanting to post pictures of my cellulite and my belly and be like, see, I love myself no matter what, even with this big belly, you know, and stuff like that. And now I'm like, okay, I don't like, it's interesting. I put this on my story the other day where I'm like, it's interesting how far I've come because now I just look in the mirror and I just see a body Mm -hmm. and, and that's it. It's not that I'm loving myself despite my flaws. It's like, this is just how it is. This is my body and I love myself, you know? So I feel like that's kind of the goal for all of us. It's just to get to a point where it's like, well, this is just my body. Like Mm -hmm. I, why dislike it? Because I have something that somebody else doesn't have like cellulite or extra softness, extra skin. Yeah. Um, Yeah, the thought of that is just so beautiful. So you started this brand, Rich Imperfections. That's your Instagram name, which we'll put in the show notes that everybody can find you. But um, you also started a podcast. Yes. Yeah. I had been feeling called to do a podcast probably since before I even started my brand. And I've had my brand for almost two years now. Um, I don't know why. I think because they changed my life so much that, and I love to talk things out. So probably just that combination, but I kept, it's funny how we give ourselves these like unconscious rules. So I kept saying, no, I'm not big enough. I don't have enough followers. I'm not popular enough yet. You know, whatever, whatever it was. And finally, it's funny because I literally, I joined a mastermind and it was like a big investment, big, big, like thousands of dollars. And basically the biggest thing I got from that mastermind was she was like, just start your podcast. 
And I'm like, no, but you don't understand. Like there's all these reasons why I can't. And she's like, okay, literally you just order a microphone and download Audacity and that's it. And (laughs) of course, once I dug into it, it was more than that. But I was like, you're right. Why the heck not? So I paid like, you know, thousands of dollars for someone to give me permission to start my podcast, but it's been like the best thing that ever happened to me. So like, yeah, you may not have started it if it wasn't for that. Exactly. I was the same way. Like it took me so long to start this podcast. I like bought the mic three or four months before I even recorded my first episode because I had all these thoughts in my head of like, like I did have a, you know, moderately big platform already, but I still just had all these thoughts of like, oh, who's going to listen to you? Or like, what if you can't find very many good guests? And finally, I was kind of the same way. It's like once I just did it, Mm -hmm. I realized like it's not about me. Like I have this message to spread. And I was super excited to, you know, just speak to different women about their experiences like you. Yeah. Yeah. It really lights me up. You know, I just think there's something about like connecting soul to soul, like human to human. That's so awesome. And I think podcasting is just a great tool to do that. And everyone else gets to listen. <laughs> yeah. And the podcast is called Rich Imperfections, right? Yeah. Rich Imperfections Radio. Yeah. So Rich I like that. Imperfections Radio. Yes. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Perfect. So that's awesome. So people can find you. Um, it's on iTunes and Spotify. iTunes and Spotify. Awesome. So we'll put that in the show notes as well, because if you liked, you know, what we talked about today, then yeah. you guys will definitely like her podcast. Yeah. Well, Amanda, my hour and a half story. No. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if that, you know, jolted some curiosity in you. Yeah. I mean, you know what? It's, it's so funny because I, I always tell myself like, you got to record shorter episodes. You got to make sure it's not too long. And mm-hmm. then I always have people asking me for more. They're like, "Oh, I wanted more. Like it ended oh. too soon. Can you record more?" So, it's so mm-hmm. funny how like we put those thoughts into our heads, but really like people are there for a reason. Like they want to keep learning from us and hearing from us. Yeah. So. I agree. I do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and they can find you at what's your website? Do you have a website? Yeah, it's richimperfection.com. There's no S because it wasn't available. So Okay, Rich Imperfection. I'll put that in the show notes as yeah. well. But um, for all of our listeners, um, I always like to ask our guests um, if they have one piece of advice for those who are going through a self-love journey, those who are struggling with their body image, what would it be? Oh, gosh, you know, honestly, I'd say – you have to understand how much of this is like your distorted perception um, mm-hmm. and just understanding that the thoughts you think and the way you see the world, especially when you're caught in that disordered place, are not true. It, you're not seeing things like the, the correct way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so to know that like those thoughts that tell you you're a piece of crap and like no one will ever love you and you know, like no one will ever accept you the way you are. You can't be yourself, you know, all that stuff. Those are not true. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean that that is the truth about you. And your perception just really is everything. I think that's super important because um, just quickly I'll add, I am at the same weight right now that I was four years ago or six years ago that spun me into, remember I told you I gained all that weight and I went to 180 pounds. I'm 180 now. And I like am so comfortable with my body and I actually am the most comfortable I think I've ever been. So for people who don't know, I'm postpartum. So um, that's why I'm back to this weight again. But 
it's so interesting to me how six years ago, I couldn't stand my body. The same size, same weight. I felt like I was being suffocated by my fat. Like literally, physically, I felt that way. And now I don't feel that way at all. How is that possible in the same body at the same weight, you know? So that just shows you how much your perception is. Yeah. And it's like, it goes back to those brain hacks. Like you're Mm -hmm. in control of those thoughts. So now Mm -hmm. you're able to fully see your beauty because you, you don't, I mean, not that you don't have those same thoughts, but again, you're in control of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just, it's a long, it's a long journey, you know, it is. And I I would encourage you to like fall in love with the process, fall in love with self-discovery, fall in love with like, what does Amanda love? You know, like, what does she love to do? Bring more joy in your life and just know it takes time and repetition. That's really what it is. <laughs> Ooh, that is so good. Thank you so much for being here with us. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm this honored. <laughs> no, for real. Thank it's so you. amazing. I feel yeah. like I learned a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so much that I didn't know. So again, thank you so much. And for all of our listeners, thank you for letting us be part of your journey. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a beat. And if you really loved it, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave me a positive review on iTunes. For more self-love inspo, body acceptance, and mental health support, come follow me over on Instagram. You can find me at mycoachrachel. See you next time.